Mental health is so important, and yet a lot of times we overlook it. Let's take care of ourselves with Headspace, which is scientifically proven to help manage your feelings and mental health. A recent study found that Headspace can reduce your stress by 14% in just two weeks. When we feel down, Headspace's appreciation course has been really helpful. It's like a mental reset. Exactly. However you're feeling, try Headspace at headspace.com legends and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com legends today. Headspace.com legends. From Wondery, Call Me Curious is a podcast hosted by Nikki Boyer that brings you definitive answers to life's burning questions. Like, does intermittent fasting work? Should I buy crypto? With Call Me Curious, you listen in as Nikki and some of her friends explore life's mysteries and the internet's hottest topics. You'll learn, laugh, and come away with something new every episode of the show. So check it out. Listen to Call Me Curious on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. You can listen early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. This week on Myths and Legends, we're in the story of the Monkey King and the journey of the West. We'll learn that when you're so bad at your job, you can just take a nap and no one will care. And why a bunch of people are fighting over a gourd sloshing with pus. The creature this time is a nice woman who just needs a little help. Oh, and your eyes. This is Myths and Legends, episode 265, Out of Your Gourd. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. We're back in the world of the Monkey King, and the journey to the West. If this is your first time hearing this podcast, it's actually a decent place to jump in. The actual story is super episodic, and the characters are fairly easy to grasp. Basically, Xuanzang, a monk from 7th century China, is on a journey to the West, basically India, to retrieve holy scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple. He's joined by four creatures, all of whom were formerly servants of heaven who fell from grace. Yulong is a dragon who's perpetually their horse, and doesn't really matter. Sandy is a purple sand monster who took the form of a tall human. Pigsy was, well, a pig with all sorts of voracious appetites. He fights with a rake, but the most famous was the Monkey King, who 800 years ago fought heaven and almost took it over before the Buddha himself intervened and dropped a mountain on him. He can shapeshift, He's super strong and resilient and has an iron rod that he stole from the dragon king of the sea that can grow to any size and density. If they manage to guard Xuanzang, the monk, there and back again, they can all be redeemed for their crimes. Unfortunately, because the monk has been so pious, he's a target for the demons and the monsters that populate the road ahead. There are demons on the road before you. Demons! The man atop the cliff in front of them shouted. Xuanzang squinted. What's that guy going on about? Monkey shook his head. Uh, he guessed demons. But honestly, what road had they been on that didn't have demons, right? Like, it would be weirder at this point if there weren't demons up ahead. Monkey sighed. Still, he'd go check it out. He backflipped up the cliff and, in moments was standing before the peasant woodcutter. 
Okay, wow, was a human-sized monkey backflipping up a cliff not impressive enough for you? Sun Wukong asked. The man gasped, Oh, yeah, wow. It just took a minute to sink in. Monkey said, Mm-hmm, yeah, and you're not a demon? The man gasped. He would never. He just wanted to warn travelers by screaming at them. Monkey said, cool, well, they could handle whatever lurked on the road ahead. Always had, always would. Not these guys, the woodcutter uttered while Monkey turned to leave. Monkey asked if the man noticed the giant purple sand man, the, you know, basically flying monkey, and the pig with a rake, that one admittedly less impressive. The horse was a dragon also, but he only changed from a horse once and that was to lose. Regardless, they will be fine. But then Monkey paused, turning around. You know, they were pretty far out here in the wilderness. Anything could be anything. The woodcutter said that statement seemed pretty obvious. Anything could be anything. He hoped Monkey wasn't feeling out new catchphrases, he said with a nervous chuckle. His chuckle stopped when he found Sun Wukong's iron staff pressing up on his chin. While Monkey inspected him, he saw the sharp teeth as Monkey snarled out a, You one of them? You speak awfully highly of these demons. You one of their scouts? Setting up an ambush? The woodcutter threw up his hands. Whoa, okay. Same team, same team. He said he was a messenger from the heavens. A puff of smoke went up, and Monkey could see the true form of the one who warned them. Monkey asked what the man had to tell him. The man nodded, right, yes, well, seeing as he didn't want to add his name to a long, long list of people Monkey had killed in his numerous assaults on heaven, he just spit it out. There were actually two demons up ahead, brothers. One of them was more competent than the other, but they were pretty dangerous. So dangerous that heaven actually wanted to give Monkey a heads up. Monkey thanked the man and flipped down back to where Pigsy and Sandy were eating a vegetarian feast with Master. Yeah, it was someone, something from heaven. Danger ahead, Monkey said, taking his portion and having a seat. <laughs> oh, so like, what's new? Xuanzang asked. He looked to Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. You got this? Sun Wukong said that he had been thinking about that. When you walk through a swamp, oftentimes you don't know how deep the water is, and you risk falling in. Monkey glanced over to Pigsy, trying to eat rice with a rake. Sometimes it's nice to plumb the depths to see just how far down things go. Monkey just worries for his master. You know, if anything were to happen to Monkey, especially what happened at their last stop. Real quickly in my little Stan Lee comic jump in right here. Last time we were in this world, in episodes 253 A and B, Monkey was temporarily kicked off the team and things went real bad real quick without him around. Excelsior. Xuanzang said he understood. Pigsy, you're on patrol. Pigsy, befuddled, asked if there was like a swamp or something up ahead. He wasn't really paying attention. It was a metaphor. Sandy jumped in. The mountain is a metaphor now? Pigsy gasped. Am I a metaphor? No one is a metaphor. Xuanzang groaned. Pigsy, go scout out ahead. Pigsy grumbled, rose, and left. Monkey waited until he was out of sight and then followed. Xuanzang was about to ask, but Monkey simply said that he was going to follow along as a fly, 
and the hair behind Pigsy's ears to make sure that when the pig woke up from napping on the job, he actually did his job and scouted out ahead. Master, he's being mean, Pigsy shouted a few hours later when he came running back to camp, nursing a scratch. He held out his hoof. Monkey transformed into a woodpecker and pecked him. It broke the skin. A woodpecker fluttered out into the clearing. In a poof, Sun Wukong was in monkey form and back on the ground. He said Pigsy was being a baby about it. He couldn't wake the pig up. He was just doing what they talked about. Pigsy gasped, pulling his hoof back with a look of betrayal in his tiny pig eyes. Master knew about this? Monkey said, to be fair, Pigsy was sleeping on the job when he was really supposed to see how deadly the threat up ahead was. And that was punishable by a beating, so unless Pigsy wanted to get back on the road, Monkey pulled his staff out. Pigsy said he would go, he would go. Minutes later, he was alone on a mountain path, but now he was wary. He now understood the truth the monkey's saying that anything could be anything. He would probably only be able to get a light nap in once he was far enough away. Meanwhile, not too far away, a tiny demon was having a week. He limped up to the mountain fortress of the monsters that Monkey had been warned about, knocked and collapsed. The other demons, the little fiends, as the story calls them, got him inside and got him some medical care, bandaged up his little demon wounds, got him some anachronistic ice packs to stop the swelling and asked what was up. Who did this to him? He swallowed hard. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, and he was on his way here. The lair descended into chaos as news of Sun Wukong's approach went right up the chain to the brothers who ran the place, or rather, the brother. The older one dropped into a meeting with his advisors, while the younger just kinda hung out with the underlings. He said his brother didn't respect him. No one did. He was second banana here. It's just, he would never get anyone to notice him. The little fiends looked at each other. They had actual work to do to make it so their actual boss wouldn't be killed by Sun Wukong. And this guy was spilling his heart out to them and also kind of technically the boss. An organization dedicated to evil and the consuming of people to extending its own life is hopefully different from an American corporation, but the concerns of their employees didn't diverge terribly from something you or I might experience. They wanted to make a name for themselves, make a splash, stand out, get promoted, excel, enter Fiendy. Now, their name wasn't Fiendy. The little fiends don't have names. They're basically the Star Trek red shirts of medieval China, just existing to be destroyed by the Monkey King. But this one stands out. Fiendy was smart. They saw an opportunity where the others just saw an anxiety-provoking distraction. They stepped from the crowd, stood before the younger brother, and said eh, they thought they could help the demon. Apparently, the demons also had a very good sketch artist on hand because Fiendy directed the younger brother demon to the bedridden fiend, who was the only one to crawl away from Sun Wukong's latest massacre. He winced as he sat up in bed. Yeah, he could give them a description. He described Xuanzang, Sun Wukong, Sandy, Yulong the dragon horse, and Pigsy, and the sketch artist worked their magic literally magic, because the picture moved and was in real time. 
They could spy on the monkey, Sandy, and Xuanzang hanging out next to Yulong, the dragon horse, and Pigsy, napping. Fiendy looked it over. This was perfect. Fiendy thanked the fiend for describing the group and said that now that they knew where they were, Fiendy had a plan. A plan that started with Pigsy. They watched the pig wake up, scratch himself, go to the bathroom, and then grumble that he had to do all this walking. He started off down the road. Zooming into the Harry Potter moving picture nonsense, we find Pigsy on the road. Well rested, he spotted a tiger off in the distance and ducked away, not because it was a full-grown tiger, but because he thought Monkey might be following him, taking the form of the tiger. Which, I guess the Monkey King threatening to beat you with a metal rod is actually technically scarier than a tiger. Anyway, he ran with the same amount of terror from tigers, flies, frogs, goats, until he found himself on a lonely mountain pass, and actually working by accident. In his inadvertent patrolling, he had chanced upon a troop of fiends. Knowing that it would look suspicious if he ran, and that he could draw the demons right to Xuanzang in their camp, he had no choice but to fool them. He put his hood up over his head. The fiends approached him. Pigsy said, Hello there. He was a monk, traveling this lonely mountain pass. The fiends were about to pass him completely, when Fiendy stopped them. Guys, that's... That's him. That's the pig. They looked up. Eh, sure, he had a rake, but... Oh. Fiendy was holding up the moving picture. The one that showed Pigsy looking at the picture of Pigsy looking at the picture. He looked back and the picture looked back. Uh-oh. He bolted. So, I would be in trouble. Like Pigsy, I'm not a runner. But Pigsy had been walking for months on this quest now. And he was well aware of the dangers of the mountain paths. With stones and creeping vines, his hooves picked their way over and around them. But as such, he wasn't moving fast enough. One of the little fiends made a flying tackle at his legs, and then the rest just piled on. While they were messing him up, Fiendy grabbed a rope. All right, one down. I mean, I guess we can make some bacon. Oh, prosciutto with wine, the younger brother said. Fiendy nodded. Yeah, maybe later, but for right now... They'll use him to draw in the others. Wow, for a demon, he was not great at kidnapping. All right. The next stage of their plan was... Fiendy looked across the cave, where the little fiends were huddled around the moving image. Fiendy should really start limiting their parchment time. It started to be all they wanted to do. Fiendy went over to break it up, but then they saw what the other fiends were watching. Back at camp, Monkey was comforting Xuanzang, by showing off some of his sweet moves. You see, Xuanzang was worried when Pigsy didn't return, but Monkey said that that was actually the best case scenario. He reasoned that if Pigsy ran into anything, he would run because, frankly, he was really bad at this. Because he wasn't back yet, it meant that he was out there napping, so they were good. Still, it didn't assuage the monk's fears, so Monkey pulled out his staff and did a dance for his boss, which sounds a lot worse than what it was. Sidebar, one of the more challenging parts of writing a Monkey King episode is repeatedly describing him pulling out and enlarging his weapon in a way that is both interesting and descriptive, but not 
Yeah. Anyway, Monkey was demonstrating that the monk had nothing to worry about by showing off his sweet fighty moves, basically like the medieval Chinese version of Star Wars Kid, but the fiends were absolutely terrified. It became clear to Fiendy that a direct assault wasn't possible. Fiendy had another idea, though. In their interrogations of Pigsy, which sounded intense, but really, Pigsy folded faster than me in my professional towel-folding days, and it just ended up being where the fiends were comforting the distraught Pigsy more than anything. Anyway, she learned that Monkey had recently been kicked out of the supergroup for killing seemingly innocent people, so he probably wouldn't be doing much of that at the moment. Her plan was for younger brother to bring in the monk. He was to go in the form of a monk himself. The younger brother turned it over in his mind. All right. Deception. Not a trick demons are typically known for, but he'd roll with it. Yeah, okay. He would do this. He actually already had an idea. The problem with going off script is that Younger Brother Demon didn't really have a plan and wasn't great at improv. Younger Brother sat on the side of the road in a desolate mountain pass. Monkey King's fancy dancing could only do so much to lessen Xuanzang's fears, and soon the monk ordered all of them up to go find the hopefully just napping Pigsy. They found a wandering monk. Yes, and I'm stranded here, Younger Brother said. Eyes narrowed, they weren't buying it. Because, yes, and, uh, I have a broken leg. Blood began to pour out from Younger Brother's robe, and Xuanzang grew pale and staggered back. What in the world? That was terrible. How had they not noticed that before? Yes, how had they not noticed that before? Monkey asked, as he rushed over to help the Taoist monk and take a look at his injuries. The monk explained that just west of the mountain was a clean and secluded temple. A temple he belonged to. Because he was a Taoist. A Taoist monk. Xuanzang, clearly troubled by this man's injuries, asked why he wasn't there, tending to the incense and rehearsing the scriptures. The not-at-all monk nodded. Yes, because that's what we do, we monks. A, a patron to their temple on the southern side of this mountain invited a monk to come pray at his manor and this one drew the short straw. He and his disciple were attacked by a tiger on the return trip. Xuanzang looked down the road. Disciple? But the monk was alone. Oh, okay, yeah, no. Got it. Yikes. Sorry for your loss. Younger brother choked back tears. Yeah, he would mourn his disciple. But the man's sacrifice led to him being able to escape. Now, the heavens must be looking out for him. Because he had found a fellow monk, and his strange bodyguards who would help him to safety. Of course, Xuanzang said without hesitation, what type of monk would he be if he didn't help a traveler in need? A smart one, Monkey said. Master, a word. Don't, Xuanzang said when they were out of earshot and Sandy was back, like, getting real close and studying this guy's face. Not because he was suspicious, he was just bored. It's a demon. Monkey informed his master. You always say it's a demon. Because it's always a demon. Like, think back to our time together. It's never just a traveler. 80% of our random encounters have been monsters. 
and the other 20% have been immortals, warning us about monsters. Xuanzang shrugged. So it was either monsters or immortals then. It was a toss-up, and he wouldn't have Monkey mistreating an immortal. Monkey shook his head. That wasn't how percentages worked. But Xuanzang was adamant. They were heading west, and once they got over the mountain, they would drop this guy off at his temple. In the meantime, he could ride the horse in Xuanzang's stead. Monkey rolled his eyes and helped younger brother up. The monk winced. Oh, but he couldn't ride the horse. His inner thigh had been torn up. Fine, uh, Shaw Monk, Sandy, you carry him, Xuanzang said. But the monk they were rescuing said that he wasn't so down with the scary sandy purple guy. Blatant prejudice, fair enough, Xuanzang said. Monkey, you carry him. Would love to, Monkey said, scooping up the waylaid monk with a smile that definitely didn't show every single one of his sharp teeth on purpose. Monkey started to explain the rules of the road. So yeah, if you have to go to the bathroom, please let me know and don't let it run down my back. I can take a bath, but these robes are a nightmare to get cleaned and starched on the road. The monk said he was good? Was that a general problem when people are carrying other people? Is that something people do? Quick aside, that's actually in the text. Not sure if that's something we should all be worried about when giving someone a ride on your back. Them using the bathroom down your back. The group began to separate a little bit, with Xuanzang on the horse and Sandy going off ahead to look for Pigsy, and Monkey seemingly flagging under the weight of the monk, lagging behind. So, I know you're a demon, Monkey said. The monk swallowed hard. What? Monkey said, yeah, so here's what we're going to do. Now that master was out of earshot, he was going to fling the demon to the ground and beat him until he ran away. Sound good? Okay, so yes, I'm a demon and mountain? The monk on monkey's back said. Monkey was about to say that the demon got about as much mileage as he was going to get out of that yes and improv joke when he saw the shadow. You know, like in Inception or Doctor Strange, when the landscape folds on itself and what used to be the horizon is now looming above you, it was kind of like that. Apparently, this demon actually had some magical chops. He kicked off, rocketing himself a half mile away, and called down a mountain on Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, trapping him immediately. The demon did that self-satisfied thing where he dusted his hands off. <laughs> well, turns out you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Trapping old monkey under a mountain worked the first time and worked again. If his brief failure as an improv performer taught him anything, it was that he wasn't very creative, but he guessed he didn't need to be. Then, the upside-down mountain thumped, and an earthquake shook the road. The demon turned slowly, wide-eyed. He heard a straining, but saw the mountain begin to rise. Monkey, Monkey was lifting the mountain. Monkey said that he had 800 years to prepare for this. Did the demon really think that he was going to suffer anyone to drop a mountain on him again? He moved one foot back, preparing to throw the mountain when another crashed down. Yet, yeah, younger brother, remember, was deeply uncreative. If one mountain couldn't solve the problem and keep Monkey pinned, 
Why not two? Why not three? Three actually ended up being the magic number here. It kind of usually is in these types of stories, but it doesn't usually refer to the amount of mountains you need to throw on someone to get them to stay down. Monkey actually got up and ran with two mountains on his back to warn his master. But I can't imagine the master being closer than like 10 miles and not seeing two panicked mountains thudding toward him. Still, with three, Sun Wukong was down and Xuanzang, the monk, was none the wiser. After Monkey was neutralized, it was only a matter of when, not if, Xuanzang would be taken. The Shah monk, Sandy, put up a fight, but when he started to flag, the monster grew to an enormous size and snatched up the monk from the horse. And like someone wanting to get all the groceries in one trip, the monster hooked their bags with his foot, shoved Sandy under an armpit, and grabbed the horse in his mouth. The little brother demon had done what so few had, and he did it single-handedly. He had incapacitated Sun Wukong and captured Xuanzang. Hi, guys, Pigsy yelled out when they entered the cave and saw the anthropomorphic pig monster strung up by his hooves on the wall. Want to come hang out with me? Ha, I just, but we're in actual serious danger. That's it. That's the end. The journey to the west is over. They all got eaten, and Monkey aged with the mountains. The rest of the story is just like an episode of Chopped, where the secret ingredients are monk, pork, and sand. Pretty riveting stuff. We'll be right back. What? What are these doing here? The mountain god said to the other mountain gods. Oh my, us, we are in trouble. The deities began pacing. A demon picked up and moved our mountains. The second deity said, first, chill out, okay? Anxiety-wise, you're making for the summit, I need you at base camp. Second, this is like the best thing that ever happened to us. Our mountains were middle of nowhere, demons eat your face wilderness. And this is the seventh century, do you think they have maps of this place? And now there are three mountains stacked on top of each other, upside down. Everyone is going to come check this out. It's amazing for us, and no one has to know we messed up. Sun Wukong knows, the deities heard. They froze. Yeah, no, never mind, they're dead. The deities took the good deal. Sure, they could wait and see if Sun Wukong will be bound forever under their mountains, but he had found his way out when the Buddha himself had trapped Old Monkey. The dude was like David Blaine meets Genghis Khan, and they weren't looking forward to facing his brutality when he finally managed to escape. They let Monkey out for only two lashes each from his rod, but he forgot about even those when he remembered just how much the monsters wanted to eat his master, probably, whose exceeding devotion would give them many extra years of life. Except they didn't want to eat Xuanzang. You see, like human organizations, Demon organizations had miles of red tape and countless competing agendas. And while the older brother demon said it was so great that the younger brother captured Sun Wukong and brought in the monk and the others to be ritualistically consumed, 
it didn't really align with their corporate goals and mission statement of doing whatever the older brother wanted and giving him the glory, so yeah, he was just going to let them go. Younger brother stepped up. Whoa, whoa, after everything he did, Xuanzang was here. All they had to do was cook and eat him and then get beaten to literal meat patties when Sun Wukong managed to escape the mountains. Uh, the dude was like David Blaine meets Genghis Khan. Yeah, the younger brother said with a sigh. Then he looked to Fiendi, who gave him a stern head shake. He needed to assert himself with his brother. They talked about this. The younger brother stood up straight. No, you know what? He had done all this, and he would finish the job. He would bring in Sun Wukong himself. The older brother said, well, if he did that, then he guessed he didn't really have anything else he could do. Okay, sure. He had 48 hours. What's it do? One fiend, named Wily Worm, asked the other. The other, named Sly Devil, carrying the gourd, shrugged. It was a magical artifact, one that was going to catch Sun Wukong and imprison him forever. For real this time. Monkey, who sat crouched in the trees off to the side of the road, arched his eyebrows. Huh, wow, that was a freebie. He thought about their device, made a trip, and 20 minutes later, he yelled out, Did someone say Sun Wukong? And the monk emerged from the trees. Beside the road, the fiends traveled. Despite the demons doing this, all of the time. They didn't catch on because, well, it was a demon trick and demons are cool. And if you're a demon talking to another demon, they have to tell you they're a demon. It's the law. The monk on the road explained that he hated old monkey. Such a troublemaker. A dashing, ripped troublemaker. The fiends explained that their masters had this ancient artifact and it would capture Ban Horseplague and turn him into pus. All he had to do was respond to his name and he would be sucked up inside. The monk nodded. Gross. Also, he hated Monkey, but not enough to use that name. That was just hurtful and reminded people of a really painful time. Anyway, could he hold it? They said yeah, and just handed the artifact to Monkey. So, Monkey has a strange value system, at least to me. Killing fiends? Absolutely, by the dozen. Lying to them? A-okay. Stealing a super weapon that's going to turn you into pus? That goes against his monk training. It presents something of a crisis of conscience. Look, you have to credit Sun Wukong for trying to make some real-life changes. He used to be a monster and doesn't want to go there anymore. Theft might be bad, but... Fraud? Eh. Monkey handed the gourd back to the fiends and plucked some hair from his side. And behind his own back transformed one of those hairs into a gourd of his own. Cool gourd. Did they want to see his? He piqued their interest. Wait, there were two magical gourds? The incognito monkey monk said, oh yeah, his didn't just get one person, but could hold all of heaven. And you don't even need to get the person to respond either. It just sucked up everything in existence, like a less destructive Kirby. The demons looked at each other. Could they see it work? Monkey Monk asked, just to clarify, they wanted him to suck up the sun, moon, heaven, the jade emperor, everything? 
The demon said, yeah? Monkey Muck shrugged, sure, why not? He unsealed the gourd, and immediately, it started pulling everything in. The sun, the sky was pulled like a sheet, leaving only darkness. The denizens of heaven itself, the Bodhisattva Guanyin, the Jade Emperor, all struggled to fight the gourd, but they couldn't. 10,000 beings erupted in 10,000 screams, then silence. Nothing. Monkey could hear them, muffled in his hands. The demons were like, yes, absolutely, they would take it. But Monkey... Monkey just stood there. The Jade Emperor. Heaven. All of existence was in his power. He had the whole wide world in his hands. It was everything he had ever wanted when he was a monster himself. Everything he had worked for. An emotion. He could crush them all. Or he could keep them prisoners for eons until they knew his pain. Monkey could be the god of the new world. His heart beat faster, but he tore the seal from the gourd. Existence poured forth. He breathed. He passed the test. He would go into the West. Because that he was still on a quest with Xuanzong. Of course, when he ran this whole plan by the Jade Emperor a half hour ago, they smiled and nodded and said, yes, let's do it, great job. Love the pitch. But as soon as he was out of the room, the Jade Emperor stated that they were not going in that gourd. Sun Wukong might be on a redemption arc, but just last episode, he quit to go back to being the king of the Flower Fruit Mountain. So they were just going to pretend to go into the gourd, while the rest of the immortals made it appear like the sky was being sucked up and all that. Monkey didn't know that, though. And he passed the test. And after he traded the hair gourd for the real one, the one that the fiends had, he made his way back down the road. The fiends learned that the gourd was a fake, when they wanted to capture all of existence for, you know, fun, and it didn't work. They brought it before little brother, who despite being a demon, wasn't a capricious supervillain. It didn't have them killed. He encouraged them to learn from this and said that he knew of other weapons that they could use against Sun Wukong. He kept them at his mom's house. Now, this story is a lot longer if I tell all of the murdery steps of this little fetch quest. They're moderately clever, but it kind of feels like filler to me. Basically, the brother's mom wouldn't be summoned by the fiends. The fiends had to get the hill-pawing tiger and the sea-lolling lion to summon the mom. Monkey learned that, killed the two little fiends by turning them into, quote, meat patties, and created two more fiends from the hairs on his back. He found the dragon and tiger, killed them, and he himself took the form of the dragon, while another one of his hairs took the form of the tiger. They successfully summoned the mom, and while Monkey was forced to bow before her, much to his chagrin, he paid her back when, on the road, he killed her and threw her body into the woods. A body that wasn't a demon, by the way. It was a fox spirit, which confused Monkey, but whatever. He killed all the fiends who carried their litter in the whole party, which at this point was like, 90% monkey hair and 10% hairy monkey, arrived at the cave of the Super Demon Brothers. Monkey had taken the form of Mama Demon, but he was stretched a little thin. When the Demon Bros bowed to him and he bowed back, Pigsy, hanging bound on the wall like the rest of the party, noticed Monkey's tail still behind him and squealed like a, well, yeah, 
He turned to Sandy and said, The mom. The mom was the monkey. They were saved. Sandy said, Pigsy probably should have whispered that. And yeah, that might have been a bigger deal if it wasn't immediately overshadowed by a fiend patrol rushing into the banquet, saying that they had found fiends, a dragon, a tiger, more demons, and oh yeah, the demon brother's mom, dead along the road. The younger demon bro attacked Monkey, who if not for his ability to transform quickly and become gaseous, would have seriously been wounded. Unfortunately, gas can't hold a gourd, a sword, and a magical fan leaf, and those dropped from Monkey's person when he escaped from the cave. Younger brother scooped up all three and went after Monkey. We'll see what happens in the battle between the younger brother and the Monkey King, but that, once again, will be right after this. Got him, the younger brother said, waving the bound monkey in the air. And he did, like, really. Monkey was fast, but the demon was faster, threw up a golden Wonder Woman-style rope, and set a spell that made it cinch tight enough to lasso Monkey. Monkey endured the laughter of the fiends and, yes, Pigsy, as the demons paraded him in. Pigsy, though, gasped when the ropes were loosened for a moment, and the form of Monkey twitched. No one but Pigsy noticed it as they hung the forlorn Monkey up on the wall. He was about to say something, Pigsy that is, when there was a knock at the door. The fiend who answered it looked at the guy up on the wall, looked at the guy at the door, and did the same thing again. The Turns out, it was Grimpil's son, Sun Wukong's older brother, that looked exactly like him. He had come to settle the score with the Demon Brothers. He turned to the team hanging on the wall. Hi, bro. But Monkey, obviously Grimpil's son, was playing things smart. You had to be called by your name and answer that call to be sucked up into the gourd. So, Monkey thought that he was immune if he was called by the name of Grimpeel's son. So, one younger brother, the one holding the gourd, addressed him as such and he brazenly answered he was sucked into the gourd. Turned out it didn't matter which name you went by, only what you answered to. And Monkey was defeated. Now, this wasn't what he was expecting. He could transform into anything, but even he was trapped inside. From the muffled voices on the outside, he heard the elder demon tentatively congratulating the younger. He had done it. Wow. He had not only captured Sun Wukong, but his, I guess, definitely canonical and foreknown older brother, Grimpeel. Now they just needed to wait for Grimpeel to dissolve into pus. When younger brother shook the gourd and it sloshed, he would know the job was done. Should take uh, about an hour and 45 minutes, according to the original. Monkey, thankfully, couldn't be dissolved. Probably? Heaven had tried to steam him at one point, but that was a non-starter. Still, he didn't want to test out that theory, and he would need to fool them. But how to slosh? He thought about urinating all around the gourd, that being kind of his solution to everything, but unlike urinating on the hand of the Buddha, 
urinating in a vat in which you were imprisoned to the point where it sloshed, you'd end up covered in your own pee. He decided on the almost as gross solution of drool. Apparently, he had been hydrating very well because he had a ton of spit, enough to fill what would be the equivalent of a moderately sized kiddie pool. The brothers shook the gourd on the outside. Monkey weathered a spit tsunami on the inside and then yelled out, Why? Oh, why? His legs and pelvic bones were gone. He was almost dead. The brothers cracked the top of the gourd and looked in to see Monkey dissolved to the chest into pus. They were so excited by their victory that they didn't notice a fly buzz out from the lid. They had been deceived by Monkey again. If you were thinking things were getting a little repetitive, yes, they were, and are. Monkey, in the form of one of the fiends, once again switched out the gourd, and once again decided that if it wasn't broke, why fix it? There was a knock at the door. It was Sun Wukong's older, older brother, and the demons were going to answer for their crimes. The demons, really not sure about Sun Wukong's family tree, but not knowledgeable enough to challenge it, did what they do. Younger brother went to the door and held out the gourd, but because it was mostly monkey fur, nothing happened. The elder, elder monkey pulled out his own gourd. Oh, hey, younger brother, wasn't it? Younger brother nodded. Yeah. Then his eyes widened. Wait. He was sucked into the gourd. Monkey waited a bit to let that one marinate, to get younger brother past the point of no return. Before returning to the door, he announced that he had younger brother, and the demon was mostly dissolved. It was over. The older brother needed to surrender. That's when it hit him. And by it, I mean like way too many demons. They all threw themselves at Monkey, but Monkey pummeled one after another into the wall until he made it to the throne room. And in it, older brother was a smearing of tears and rage. No more schemes. His younger brother did those, and his brother was gone, dissolved into pus, which is, yeah, really, truly gross. It was time for Monkey to see how the older brother, the king of the mountain, solved problems. In addition to older brother's sword strikes, which drove him back out of the cave, all 300 fiends swarmed out from the mountain, where, like, five fiends captured Pigsy early on in the episode, Monkey was now covered in biting demons. And I guess like the Hulk, the more they fought and the angrier they became, the stronger they got. The story says that they were like cotton, sticking to Sun Wukong's body. Then the Monkey King exploded. He had to resort to a special spell that only he could do. The body beyond the body. He ripped hair from his armpits, chewed and spat it. Each one turned into a Sun Wukong. The big ones had rods identical to his own. The shorter hairs turned into monkeys who boxed with their fists. And the smallest, well, they just grabbed the fiend's legs, gnawing on them. This did it. Demons were dying all over the place. And when they actually managed to kill a Sun Wukong, the thing just became a hair and returned to the real Sun Wukong's armpit. They couldn't even retreat. Monkey was advancing, his own hair cutting a path through the warriors. Older brother panicked and brought out the nuclear option. It wasn't actually a nuclear option, but it had just about the same result. 
older brother took the magical leaf and fanned the battlefield. And with each fan, a fireball erupted. Monkey panicked, not for his life, but for his bald armpits. He could withstand the flames, but his hair couldn't, and also it smelled really bad. The little Sun Wukongs were gone, mostly having returned to the Monkey King's armpits, with only a few being consumed by the blaze and leaving Monkey with a bald spot. Monkey backflipped away, but the little fiends weren't so lucky. They were immolated to a fiend. The battlefield was silent, all except for the weeping. Monkey stepped over the dead, or what was left of them, and he made his way to the Great Hall. Monkey found older brother sitting with his arms wrapped around his knees. Weeping, he looked up at Monkey. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Monkey said, that's what happened when you kidnapped monks. But older brother said, he didn't kidnap the monks. Younger brother did. His plan was to let Sun Wukong and Xuanzang pass. But younger brother, younger brother always had ambition. An older brother indulged him. Always did. Look where it got them. He gestured to the death all around. He looked up. The despair in his eyes hit Monkey harder than even younger brother's three mountains. Just do it, older brother said, pointing to the staff. Monkey looked to him, looked to his staff, shrunk it, and tucked it behind his ear. Older brother? Monkey asked. The demon looked up. Hmm? He found himself being pulled into the sloshing gourd. Monkey could see the last look on his face was one of relief. He was going to be with his brother for all time. That night, Monkey cut down the rest of his group, and they found some food. Everyone had seen the scene, and everyone was silent. Xuanzang offered a small apology to Sun Wukong. He should have listened. Should have known it was a monster. Sun Wukong sighed. No, I mean, yes, it was a monster, but he had been a monster before. There wasn't anything wrong with wanting to see the best in people, or even monsters. They started out the next day, walking along the road beside Xuanzang as he rode Yulong the dragon horse, and they continued on their journey to the west. Pigsy walked up next to Sun Wukong. Why did he still have the gourd? They could hear the pus sloshing around inside. He should probably just toss the thing into the woods before it accidentally opened up all over their supplies or something. I'll take it, they heard from the woods. The quintet turned to see an elderly man. The elderly man. The supposed woodcutter that warned them about the cave and the horrors ahead. And what do you want with it? Monkey asked. The three non-horse... It was a test, the old man smiled. It was a test and Monkey passed. He gestured for the gourd. Monkey unhooked it and handed it to the man. As the man worked on the seal, he said that Monkey shouldn't blame him. The bodhisattva Guangyang came to him after his students were caught stealing. The younger was caught stealing. The older lied for him. They had to be punished, of course, so Guangyin said that they could come to Earth for a bit, be demons in the path of the scripture pilgrim and his bodyguard. The sage, who had been sent down here from heaven, broke the seal of the gourd. Pigsy shrieked, and truly, the whole group grimaced in anticipation of the pus. But it was a golden liquid, one that formed into two piles, 
It wasn't pus. Never was. That's just what they made the demons think it was so no one would want to open it. That you trapped them in it instead of killing them was all part of the test, the old man said to the monkey. The liquid from the gourd took shape. They had to know how hard it is down here, so they cultivate a sense of mercy. That's not an easy lesson to learn, that the world isn't what you thought it was, but it's one that we all have to go through. Wait, so the demons, the whole time they were just kids being punished for stealing something? This was to teach us all lessons? Sandy asked. Monkey sighed, answering for the old man. Yes, as if it wasn't hard enough on this road, heaven thought we needed to be tested too. In their glorious benevolence, they played a wonderful trick on us. Wait, so are we metaphors? Pigsy asked again. Monkey ignored him and turned to the elderly man. Would they, the kids, that is, would they remember? He shrugged. Kind of. It'd be like waking up from a dream. They wouldn't remember Monkey, so he didn't need to worry about scaring them. The liquid finished taking form, and two boys were in its place. One ten, one seven. Monkey looked on them. They were just kids. The younger one pleaded with his master. He was so sorry he stole. Wait, where were they? Come on, children, come on. We all have our duties, the elderly man said, gesturing them to follow him back to heaven. The younger brother followed. The older one turned around, his gaze connected with Sun Wukong's. He looked at the monkey king. Sun Wukong allowed himself a small nod, and just before he turned, older brother nodded knowingly in return. He left to follow his master. Sun Wukong did the same. They were both at different points on the same journey. So, this had kind of a nice, melancholic ending. But these Monkey King on the Road stories are starting to feel a bit formulaic. My tendency would be to read ahead and find a shift in tone or format, but if you all are here for it, let me know and we can do a comprehensive telling of the journey to the West. We're only like 30% of the way through, maybe. And, you know, I could include as many stories as possible. Speaking of as many stories as possible, next week we're back in the story of 1001 Nights, wrapping up the framing narrative, actually and we'll see if Shahrazad's gambit has paid off. If you're looking for something else to listen to, The Scoundrel on Scoundrel this week, our other podcast that we're doing with Cast Media, one that looks at history's forgotten villains, The Scoundrel is Colonel Thomas Blood, and we'll learn all about shoving the English crown jewels down your pants for fun and profit, and hopefully not jail time. You can follow the link in the show notes or just search for Scoundrel wherever you get your podcasts. The creature this week is the Mikari Baba from Japanese folklore. So, if a stooped elderly woman with one eye and a torch in her teeth comes to your door, you're gonna have a bad time. Eventually. Or actually right now. Like some kind of gruesome, give a mouse a cookie situation, the Mikari Baba is extremely greedy. 
She'll come to your door asking for a raincoat, a basket, a grain of rice. I hate to be like this, but in this situation, it might be better to not open the door. Because if you give her a raincoat, she's going to want a basket. And if you give her a basket, she's going to want to borrow an eye. You know, from your head. She's really good at getting it out. Doesn't really care so much for getting it back in after she returns it, but that's your problem. Some people have offered to let her scour the gardens for a bit of food. The problem with this is that she's very thorough. And that, with a lit torch in her mouth... She'll get down to the ground to try to find every last bit of food and set your yard and probably house on fire. People sometimes collected the rice and left it out front to let the creature know that the rice had been collected. Please don't burn down our house. There are certain times of the year that the Mikari Baba is known to approach houses and honestly, you're in trouble either way if this thing comes to your door. If you answer, you risk making a compulsory donation of your eye. If you don't, well, the Makari Baba keeps track of where she's been, keeps a ledger, and will tattle on you to the gods, who will strike you with misfortune. Apparently, like many one-eyed creatures from Japanese folklore, this thing hates things with holes in it, because for some reason, holes reminded of things with more than one eye. Which, wouldn't she just hate all of us too? Anyway, even stuff like woven baskets can work. Anything that has holes in it. People, I guess, put them on a pole up above their houses to keep the Makari Baba from even thinking about approaching. That, or you can just pretend you're not home, put out your lamps, don't make any noise at all, don't even bathe. That being said, after days without you bathing, your family or roommates might take their chances with the monster that wants to borrow their eyes. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.